So up next is Keisha. Keisha's from the UK and came to China to get her teaching experience. But what's been great about being in China is that she's been able to pay for a master's degree in full. So when she leaves China with her years of teaching experience, she'll have a master's degree and no debt to go along with it. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. Today I have with me, physically with me, my friend Keisha. So how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. So clearly, you know, you can tell Keisha's with me. So she lives in Shanghai as well. Um, but, you know, tell our listeners, how long have you lived in Shanghai, in China in general? Okay, so I've lived in Shanghai for two years. Mm -hmm. But I've been in China maybe uh, in total for about five years. Because mm -hmm. this is my second time here. Okay, okay, all right. And so where are you originally from? I'm from London, but I have a, like a Caribbean background. Okay, okay, cool. And so what's it like living in Shanghai? I mean, I have my own experience, but of course you have mm. yours. So what's it like for you? Um, it's a city you can't really get bored in. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can do so many different things here. You can go to the museum. I think there's like uh, a ski park opening up. Um, there are always events going on. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there are so many things you can do here. Okay. And um, where did you live in China before Shanghai? Mm. Okay, so I lived in Zhengzhou, which mm -hmm. is in Hunan mm -hmm. uh, province, which is very, very, very different from Shanghai. Okay. <laughs> so, like I said, it was my second time coming here. I just, I really wanted to come back to China um, I wasn't really bothered about where I'd be placed or mm -hmm. put, so I went there. Mm -hmm. It's an okay city. It's not terrible, but nothing's like Shanghai in China anyway. Okay, okay. And, you know, why did you choose China? I mean, of all the places that you could have potentially relocated to, why China? Mm. I'm sure a lot of other people have said this already, but money, okay? Ah. <laughs> the money is great here, um, mm -hmm. especially compared to what I was making uh, back home. Mm -hmm. So back home, I was a teaching assistant. Um, I did want to become a teacher mm -hmm. uh, back home. But I felt like I needed a bit more experience. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, why not come to China and actually work in an actual school? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So so you're a teacher. That's your profession mm. yes. here. What prompted you to enter the teaching field? Oh. What, what was it about it that Ooh. drew you to it? Yeah, really good question. Um, I don't know. So, like, when I finished university, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um. I knew that I kind of like working with children. They were okay because uh, while I was at university, I worked at a few summer camps and I was like, okay, kids are okay. 
Um, I like working with kids. What kind of careers can I do working with kids? I was like, okay, I guess I will be a teacher. It wasn't like my first choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, um, okay. So then what was job hunting like before mm. you came to China? And mm. then was there a difference while, while you have been in China? Mm. And then w- what do you feel about the job security, mm. you know, being, being a teacher here? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. First one, job hunting, uh, while I was outside yeah. of, mm-hmm. uh, China, mm-hmm. it was like, what, 2018 so this is before the pandemic it yeah. was easy if that makes sense mm-hmm. like there were a ton of jobs that I applied for quite a lot of people got back to me job hunting in China now during the pandemic because I've actually done that I thought I would struggle um mm-hmm. especially as like I said I was in, in Zhengzhou which is a smaller city a lot of people told me oh uh, you know, you won't be able to get into Shanghai because, you know, all of these people are trying to get into Shanghai as well. You may not have enough experience. And uh, at first I was like, oh, oh, my God, maybe I won't have enough experience to get into Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few recruiters said that to me. So I still kept um, applying anyway because I was like, OK, well, maybe that's your experience. Maybe I will have a different experience. So I did manage to get a job here in Shanghai. I was surprised (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I got the job. It wasn't as difficult as people were telling me it would be. Um, As long as you have the qualifications, you're confident, you do a good job in the interview, you'll be okay as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Maybe it was a bit easier because of the pandemic and because people aren't coming in and out of the country. So it could have been easier for me in that way. Uh, So before the pandemic, I'd say things were okay. Like, mm. you couldn't really be fired. Not that I'd ever done anything that yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. you're going to be fired now. Um, here in Shanghai, um, because we're still in the pandemic, I'd say job security is even better. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to be losing your best teachers during um, mm-hmm. a pandemic. Not that I'm yeah. saying I'm the best, but <laughs> you don't want to be losing good teachers during a pandemic. Yeah. So. I'd say job security is quite high as long as you're doing, you know, what your school's asked you to do. The kids like you. It's really, really important in China. Um, not sure about other countries, but it's important for the kids to like you. I mean, I'm just comparing this to the UK. Mm-hmm. If, you know, the kids don't like you and you're teaching in a school in the UK, that's fine. You're going to keep your job. It's all good. I mm-hmm. feel like here it's more important for the kids to like you because they're, the customers if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah. especially as us coming in as like you know foreign teachers mm-hmm. um so yeah i know i've gone around the point but <laughs> okay. yes uh definitely there's a lot more security here i'd say mm-hmm. um maybe because of the pandemic let's take a quick break if you're enjoying the show make sure you share subscribe download rate review the podcast and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet Podcast and Twitter by typing in Are We Home Yet Pod, where we share resources, you can interact with our guest, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat, and of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the arewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, now back to the show. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, before you mentioned money, mm. so yes. so then, like, what's your quality of life here? Mm. Like, you know, how different has it been mm. here from when you were back home? Oh, wow. Um, here, I actually have disposable income. Mm-hmm. Back home, I did not have disposable income. I was, like, living with my parents, paying them some money, of course, but... Mm-hmm. I 100% could not afford to live alone back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, I can afford to live in like a, a two-floor open plan apartment, pay for that myself. I have extra money that I can uh, send home. Mm-hmm. Extra money where like, if, I don't know, my parents wanted me to do like grocery shopping for them, I can afford that and mm-hmm. still live and also eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a completely different lifestyle here. I'm so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the reason why I don't really want to go back home mm-hmm. uh, or live in the UK permanently mm-hmm. for now. I just mm-hmm. feel like there's a much better quality of life that you can live elsewhere, Mm -hmm. especially China. It's so easy once you get here and you uh, acclimatise to it, of course, Mm -hmm. Mm because obviously coming here you have (laughs) intense shock because obviously things are just so... Yes, culture shock. Yes, 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 Mm -hmm. that. Um, But once you've gone through all of that, it's fine, it's comfortable, it's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then what does your day-to-day look Mm. like, you know, during Mm. Monday through Friday, you go Mm. to work, but then on the weekends, you're not at work. Mm. What's what's your day-to-day like? It depends, because at my job, I don't have any office hours, so I work Monday to Thursday. Friday, I don't have any lessons, which would be nice. (laughs) It's nice having that Friday off, but... If you're not like the kind of person that's planned, it can seem like you're not using that time wisely. But yeah, I get up at different times. It depends on when I go in. Sometimes I take my scooter to work. Like I rent an e-bike for about 320 yuan. I don't Mm. know how much that would be in, I don't know, US dollars or whatever. Mm. Um, In pounds, that would be maybe like 32 pounds a month. Mm -hmm. So I ride that scooter to work. That would take maybe 20 to 30 minutes Mm -hmm. going to the office. If I have time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. go over like my lesson plans, Mm -hmm. talk to staff, go to classes, have lunch. I usually have lunch at school. So last year it was an hour 15, but now it's only an hour, Mm -hmm. which it really affects the time because I feel like it's a bit more crunched of a time mm-hmm. i like having a long lunch i take ages to eat mm-hmm. uh, anyway um i usually have afternoon classes so in the afternoon we have uh, three lessons after lunch mm-hmm. which can be a bit tiring because i guess like if you started work in the morning you've had lunch it's the afternoon you're tired the mm-hmm. kids are tired mm-hmm. but yeah i like my job i love the school i love the kids so when I'm not at work, uh, it depends on how lazy I'm feeling. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. uh, I've started playing badminton every weekend. Okay. That's intense, mm-hmm. like on the whole body, especially as I'm not like a gym person. So I was like, okay, I can do some exercise as I'm getting older now. Mm-hmm. If I'm not playing badminton, then maybe going exploring around Shanghai. Mm-hmm. But I guess that depends on what's going on in the week. 
So yeah, badminton, maybe visiting friends, going to like a museum or a gallery or anything that's popped up in Shanghai. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, tell me about like your teaching. Like,、mm. you know, what, what do you teach?、Mm. How did you get into teaching? So let's、mm. talk about that.、Uh, so currently I teach social studies or social science.、Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got my job. <laughs> I was telling you <laughs> this before. Okay.、Um, So, I'd never taught social science, social studies before.、Mm-hmm. I have a background in history. So, my bachelor's degree is in、uh, film and history.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess I did amazing in the interview. And I don't know, they liked that I had a, a background in history.、Mm-hmm. Because I was teaching or am teaching it for the first time, I was really concerned because、uh, when you're teaching something, you need like、uh, background knowledge, right? And there are like, All of these things that I had to learn. So I was like just a little bit ahead of the students. So last year I was teaching grade six and grade eight.、Um, how it works each semester, I mean, how I've done it is in one semester I would teach history and then another semester I'd teach geography. Whereas other teachers, they mix up history and geography in one semester, but I didn't want to do that. That felt messy and wrong、mm-hmm. to me.、Mm-hmm. So when I first started, the school, like curriculum wise, they said I could kind of do whatever I wanted.、Um, like they said that these are the things that they wanted the students to learn. These are like the goals they wanted the students to learn for each semester、mm-hmm. and the subjects. But other than that, it was up to me. Uh, so, a lot of the stuff I started from scratch.、Um, so, that was when I started like my first year. That's obviously tough because、um, the kids expect you to know everything. I,、mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs>、mm-hmm. So, especially like with the youngest kids, they would ask all these questions and I'd be like, um I'll get back to you <laughs> later.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that was like with grade six.、Um, With grade eight, it was the same. So, with grade eight, I think I started with、um, learning, I think it was geography. So, we were learning about、uh, European countries. With grade six, we were learning basics about geography. Semester two for grade six, I did history. So, we did starting with the early humans. And I remember doing like these activities. And because, you know, it's early humans, right? A lot of them they didn't wear clothes because it was thousands of years ago and、mm-hmm. it was like in like a different time. And obviously, yes, in specific areas they did kind of put clothes together because you know it was cold. But I remember doing like some activities and they were like, they're not wearing any clothes. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so there were all of these things that kind of pop up where you're just like, oh my gosh, I actually hadn't thought of that.、Mm-hmm. So because I'll be teaching it a second time、uh, this year. I will make sure to, I don't know, make sure that the YouTube videos I'm pulling on, they're not like, I don't know, their bottoms aren't out or anything、yeah. like that. Because <laughs> sometimes these videos surprise you and it's like,、mm-hmm. oh gosh, they didn't say it. Okay, they didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, with grade eight, like I said, we did in semester one,、um, we did European countries. Semester two, we did ancient Rome,、uh, which was really interesting, really good.、Uh, I felt like by semester two, in my first year anyway at the school, I felt like I was a lot more secure、mm-hmm. in like believing that I was a social science teacher. Because in、mm-hmm. semester one, I was like,、uh, uh, okay, I'm not a social science teacher.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, by semester two, I was a lot more secure. 
kids were a lot more secure in my ability because obviously uh you come in you want to you know make sure that you're showing that you know you're the boss or whatever but mm-hmm. i think like a lot of it was me one getting my teaching persona right and mm-hmm. two being more confident in myself yeah and i had all of those by semester two because i had semester one out of the way i wasn't fired yet mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> i wasn't <yeah>. fired <laughs> um but yeah so this year now um I am teaching grade six and grade 10. So grade six was fine. Uh, everything that I did last year, I would be kind of doing again, maybe tweaking it a bit. Because um, there were like a few things that I was like, ah, that actually didn't really make sense. Or two, the kids didn't enjoy this. Or three, they didn't understand it. Um, obviously working here in China, a lot of the kids, English isn't their first language. So mm-hmm. at my school, it's like a bilingual education. Mm-hmm. So they have some classes in Chinese and some in English. And starting with grade six, we don't know those kids, if that makes sense. They're starting new. A lot of them have never done social science before. So last year, obviously, I did some things that were like way above their English ability because I was like, come on, they can do this. And then when I found that they couldn't, I was like, oh, OK. Um, but anyway, so grade six this year, fine. I'm OK with that. I'm doing grade 10 this year, which I was really stressed out about. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, this is new stuff I need to learn. I didn't have, like, enough background knowledge for this. And I know being a teacher, it's, um, you know, a combination of things, right, to be a really good teacher. With grade 10 this year, I spent, like, hours and weekdays making sure I had enough knowledge for, like, 40-minute or 30-minute lessons. Because some... Some of the lessons at our school are 40 minutes and some are half an hour. Obviously, it's the end of semester one now. I'm a bit more confident, I'd say, with grade 10. Uh, I was concerned also about, like, the like the age gap. Like, grade six, they're, like, the babies of the school. So they're, like, 11. Whereas by grade 10, I think they're 16. Um, So you need to come at them in a different way than you would grade six. So... With grade six, we can do a few activities where they're colouring in a globe. That's fine. I guess we could do something like that with grade 10, but you need to challenge them a bit more Mm -hmm. because they're a lot more fluent in English, right? Um, But also, when you get to grade 10, there are like some things you just don't want to do anymore. So I really struggled at the beginning with students like not putting their hands up or not wanting to volunteer their answers with grade six. They would just say whatever. They they didn't care. Whereas I feel like by grade 10, uh, you're like a teenager, I guess, and you're not really as secure uh, as, uh, I don't know, saying what, what you think. But also with grade 10, it was a lot more like lecturing. So I did like lessons where I was like, sometimes lecturing the whole lesson um, and asking questions. And that was completely different from what I was doing with grade six. Um, completely different with what, I was doing with grade eight. So uh, there were loads and loads of skills that I had to uh, learn mm-hmm. to, I don't know, um, make sure I was doing the best for my students and the best for myself, I suppose. Um, but yeah, um, next semester uh, with grade 10, we are doing uh, economics and natural disasters. So obviously I will be studying really hard Mm -hmm. economics and natural disasters Mm -hmm. to make sure I have uh, enough background knowledge because I feel like that's 
one of the things I need to work on as a teacher, mm-hmm. making sure that I know uh, enough and that I can put the information across mm-hmm. so they understand it. And also that, so when they do like midterms and final exams, we do monthly exams as well in grade 10, that they, they've they understood everything. Um, but also making sure that uh, as a teacher that, I am uh, open, if that makes sense, as in being open, making sure that they can come to me and ask questions. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the kind of teacher where it's like, that's the work, bye. Like, mm. <laughs> I, yeah. I wanted them to, you know, be able to come to me, ask questions if they had any, because I'm not a demon, I'm not trying to be. Like, yeah. we're all here working together yeah. towards, you know, the same goal. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's really good because mm. I mean even even in my in, even in the kindergarten mm. that I teach in you know which which is also like bilingual yeah you know there's a child there he's five and he's always asking why mm. so you know I'm sure that they're even more wise when yep. they get older yeah. yeah so so many like I remember like there were all these questions I was asked and I was like okay let me just write this down in my notes mm-hmm. and I'll get back to you yeah uh, next lesson but also. It's good as well. We we don't know everything and that's okay. And I yeah. think um, it's fine not knowing everything. For me, I just want to make sure I know enough <laughs> mm-hmm. to get the point across. Because sometimes they ask questions. I'm like, it's fine. You don't even need to know that, but I'll research, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. it's Yeah, like I said, it's good. Um, it's definitely working me really hard. I mean, I I'm not saying that everyone if you're like teaching something new mm-hmm. and uh you feel like you don't have enough background knowledge and i'm not saying you know be crazy like me and study for a couple of hours every night mm-hmm. do what works for you mm-hmm. really that mm-hmm. works for me it makes me feel secure it makes me feel good because i can be like well i studied this for two hours i can answer that question yeah. okay yeah yeah so and and it sounds like you really 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 like teaching. Yeah, I mean I mean the way that you like talked about this yeah, at length, like yeah, yeah it's like, nice. I love my job. Um, hopefully my students like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, being like a teacher is just it's what I love to do. Like I. Mm-hmm couldn't really see myself going back to being like a TA like mm-hmm. I feel like actually I know I'm like going back to stuff but the reason I came here the second time was because I didn't really like being a TA like mm-hmm. I I really like being a teacher and being in control of my own classroom like mm-hmm. as a TA you don't have as much uh, I don't want to use the word power but mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. sometimes I would see things as a TA and I'd be like oh Okay, I wouldn't do it like that, but that's fine because I'm not the teacher. But yeah. as a teacher, obviously, you're, like, in control of everything, I guess, which is, I guess, a bit more pressure. But mm-hmm. I enjoy it, <laughs> as you can tell. So, yeah. Okay, so talk about what was your visa process like? Mm. Um, you know, like, the visa process to get here, the mm. visa process to stay here. What mm. what was and what has that been like? Okay, uh, so from what I can remember so long ago now so coming here the second time i don't remember the first time (laughs) second time i was getting all of my documents together in let's see 2018 so i think they wanted an apostle degree copy Mm -hmm. criminal record and a medical check Mm -hmm. and a reference letter from my workplace i think that's about it and obviously like you go through the visa 
process at the visa place. The most difficult part, though, was uh, the medical check. Because mm-hmm. obviously in the UK, going to like hospitals and doctors and whatever, it's free. There's no insurance or whatever. But getting an actual medical check, I had to go to a private doctor, which I don't remember how much it was. I'm going to guess like maybe £500 mm-hmm. for that wasn't too bad i suppose because i'd already been saving up already to go to china mm-hmm. but yeah that was like i was like what <laughs> so expensive especially as like uh cost of living is like super high in london so when i went to apply for my visa mm-hmm. uh in shanghai they were like do you have your medical check and i was like no no one told me i needed one mm-hmm. and they still accepted my visa okay so it's all good i didn't need one okay and so then you know you came over to china you know mm-hmm. on, on your own as a single woman mm. so what's dating been mm. like yeah yeah because oh. you're 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 not even 30 yet so no. you're still a young yeah. spring chicken not like me <laughs> not like me i'm i'm um, older yeah. <laughs> but yeah what's what's dating like it's hard i'm sure other people have said this mm-hmm. shanghai is a big city and there are a lot more foreigners than say in my last city mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that all of these people want to date you mm-hmm I feel like there are certain beauty ideals here, certain beauty standards that I don't meet. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm ugly. Mm -hmm. But sometimes foreigners come here for a specific type of person. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times people come here for locals Mm -hmm. uh, and they're not looking for other foreigners. Mm -hmm. And then if they are looking for, like, other foreigners, a lot of the time it's just for, like, you know, something casual which is fine. If you're here to do something casual, do what you need to do. Uh, I think it becomes a bit more difficult when you actually want something substantial. Um, maybe just difficult for me. Um, I know like other people mm, that were in relationships or still are in relationships. Um, but looking for something substantial where you don't just want to be... Um, a fling or uh, a one night stand is a bit more difficult. And I guess maybe that's because people are just happy to, you know, do whatever they want, do their one night stands and not have anything substantial. Mm-hmm. I just feel like for me, as I'm getting older, turning 30 uh, this year, I would like something substantial and I haven't found that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one here has been like, oh, okay, she wants something substantial. Let's give her a shot. It's, <laughs> oh, she wants something substantial. Ghost, bye. <laughs> so um, if you are interested in dating here, I'm not saying your experience will be just like mine. Just be aware that things may be difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, aside from dating, there is also, you know, just meeting people mm. in general. So making friends. Mm. So what's that like? You know, making friends, friendships mm. here. Um, yeah. So we'll start mm. with that and then go from yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty easy to make friends here if mm-hmm. you're the type of person who does really want friends. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I first uh, got here, obviously we met at your birthday party, right? And I mm-hmm. was like, I want some new friends. Why mm-hmm. not? I'm going to go out to this birthday party. 
Um, there are all these events going on where you can make friends. Mm-hmm. I'm at that uh, part of my journey here in China where I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't really need any more friends. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to make friends. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a lot more difficult to make uh, substantial friends. Like friends that will, uh, I don't know, be there with you through thick and thin. Friends that will be like, oh yikes you shouldn't really be doing that um so i think it's difficult to find those kind of friends but saying that maybe as you get older as you become an adult it's difficult to make friends anyway or substantial like really good really really good friends uh in general uh if you want friends they're available shanghai there's so much going on here smaller cities i'd say it was a bit more difficult um because there are less people and where I was in Zhengzhou, there was only like one foreign owned place. So like all the foreigners would go there and you'd be like, oh, that's my enemy. But they're there. So, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I would say it is quite easy to make friends here if you want to make them. OK. And so, you know, you you left one city, mm. you know, so you left behind friends there. Mm. And, you know, here in Shanghai, you know, presumably you've. Uh, experienced or soon to experience you know mm. people you know coming into your life being mm. friends but then you know then they go on their own journey mm. to like either go back home or another country mm. what what has that felt mm. like you know um the the friendships that have gone their own way yeah. because you know like again they're they're going to another country mm. um going back home what what does that feel like how yeah. do you deal with that obviously it feels horrible but mm-hmm. If you are really close, you will keep in contact anyway. You mm-hmm. may not see that person for a good two, three years, but mm-hmm. if they're really good friends and you do actually care about them and they actually care about you, you will stay in contact and things will be okay. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just tough, obviously, because at the moment, China's like hemorrhaging people at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. You You can't keep people here. You have to let friends do what's best for them that's the life of an expat isn't it yes some of us are here to stay but you know some of us you know we are here for an experience a journey an adventure and and that adventure that journey doesn't last forever you have to you know go at some point yeah yeah and okay so then you know you mentioned that it's tough you Mm. know with these friendships that you know they they do go on to their own Mm. journey but then also what does it feel like missing your own family Mm. and friends from back where you came from of course yeah yeah so that's tough like i haven't been home maybe in four years now Mm -hmm. uh it's really tough uh Mm -hmm. so you can you know have phone calls you can have video calls but it's not the same as being there at home. And like, uh, so many things have changed back home. Like I have uh, two uh, nephews now who don't know me because I've been here. So it's really tough. Um, And I think that's probably one of the reasons people are just like, well, I'm just gonna go home then. Cause like, I know for me, uh, when I do eventually leave, I'll be really happy to see my family again, but then I'll be like, okay, cool. I've seen them, mm-hmm. <laughs> on to the next. But because it's been prolonged, so the homesickness has been like, uh, I don't know, getting even worse, by the time I do get home, it would be like uh, a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were just like some things here that 
like at the beginning uh didn't irritate me and now they are i don't know if that's because i haven't had like a break from china but yeah it's really really tough i have no remedies <laughs> for mm-hmm. homesickness other than leaving i suppose at the moment anyway mm-hmm. and like i was saying maybe if i did have the chance to leave during like spring festival because i'm on a long holiday now or during summer that would have been nice or even if my family could come here i'd be like okay cool i've seen them this is good but because i haven't uh it's yeah it's definitely been difficult um okay if i had like my own family here like you know some people they create their own families here they're like in relationships or they get married uh fine at least they have their own little family when you're just like a single person it's really tough um so yeah Mm-hmm. And okay, so then what has it been like being black here? Mm. And you know, you can speak to your experience, yeah. you can speak about, you know, doing your hair. Yeah. Like, yeah, what's it been like? Um it's been okay. Comparing it to what it's like being black back home. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say it's the same. Like back home, obviously you've got people that are racist but it's more covert mm-hmm. here i don't even maybe some people are racist and i'm sure there are a ton of people that are just like we hate black people whatever mm-hmm. but here i feel like being black isn't bad but people aren't just aware of you know how you can be black but you're not african like so um like obviously yes i am black i have african descent that's where mm-hmm. i get my black skin from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but for me i'm just you know uh, from caribbean descent but mm-hmm. when i tell people i'm like black but i'm british like chinese people's like what this is this is not <laughs> these things do not go together <laughs> british people are white yeah, it's like yeah. surprise yeah. um things to do with my hair um are quite funny so uh i'm natural here mm-hmm. that's because i'm lazy um <laughs> i'm not good with like doing things with my hair so i can put them in like twists and it does the job but uh also people here they don't know what our hair is supposed to look like in general so unless you know you're around a lot of like other black foreigners or whatever uh so my hair would be looking a mess if my mum saw my hair she'd be like oh your oh your hair's not done right whereas here people got give me compliments and i'm like i didn't even do anything to my hair my hair in regards to my students now so um i had braids i've only had them once this semester or last semester i guess uh, it was just braids like uh they were black and had like some red or pink in it Everyone is throwing all these co- uh, compliments at me. My students were like, oh, oh, what's going on? Oh, my God. Is that your real hair? I was like, no, it's not my real hair. Uh, and then students were like, even when I have my own natural hair, uh, students are like, is that your real hair? <laughs> students are like discussing whether my hair is real or fake. Like um, some students came up to me and they were like, oh, uh, so-and-so students said your hair was fake. I was like why are you guys discussing my hair just Mm -hmm. come and talk to me it's fine i feel like it's really important as like a a black person here to at least um 
because most of my students are, well it's an international division um, not all of them are Chinese but making them um, aware that you know black people exist <laughs> that we're human like, even telling them things about like not touching my hair not that any of them tried to I was like, okay, fine, you can touch it, okay, but make sure if you see other black people that you either ask or just leave them alone mm-hmm. because we're also humans as mm-hmm. well. With regards to just like other Chinese people that I don't know, um, I guess it depends on if I'm paying attention. So I know we've spoken about this before, right? About mm-hmm. like being on the subway mm-hmm. and just being in your own zone and ignoring everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it depends on if I'm paying attention Sometimes people would like stare, but then I'd be like, are they staring because I'm black or my hair or both? <laughs> I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. have time to go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being black in general, um, I don't think it's a bad thing here. Maybe a good thing because I'm exposing my students to different cultures and things Mm -hmm. because like at my school there are only two black people Mm -hmm. so at least they're aware that we exist and Mm -hmm. we're alive i wouldn't say it was a bad thing here too um a mixed bag not terrible um but job wise um i remember when i was leaving Zhongzhou, uh there were a lot of jobs that were like uh whites only Mm -hmm. so or or a european look i've seen that I was like, or, I'm European. Yeah, or European. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, like, well, I'm okay. European. It's like, yeah. no, you're not. You're, you're not what European is, right, yeah. to them. Uh, so I remember applying for through this recruiter, um, applying for some jobs, and they said, oh, well, these jobs are whites only. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I don't want to work there anyway because they're probably going to be a trash place if they only care about mm-hmm. looks only. Mm-hmm. And then I remember them coming back to me saying, oh, we have some more jobs available. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I thought your jobs were whites only. <laughs> Why are you coming back? Yeah. And obviously that's because, you know, uh, I don't know, things got tougher, I guess, mm-hmm. as the um, things kind of closed down here mm-hmm. um, in reference to, you know, people getting in. Not that people can't get in, but it's just so difficult at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? And, and I mean, even my current kindergarten, well, mm. my current kindergarten, a recruiter sent me mm. the, the post for the position and it said, you know, look, we, we don't care about skin color. We don't <laughs> care if you're white or black. We care if you care about the kids and you're going to work yeah, hard, I guess. you know, to teach them. And I was just like, Okay, that's different. And I I feel like, honestly, I feel like I've seen a few more of those kind of like Mm. posts where it's like, look, we don't care. You know what I mean? Because Mm. it's like, you know, like you were saying Mm. before, like, you know, there are expats leaving more and more and more. So at this point, it's like, well, you don't have the luxury anymore (laughs) to kind of be like, well, we only want this. Well, no, because you have children Mm. who need teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's not even... You can't really get out of it because even when you're applying for jobs here in China, they want your photos. Mm-hmm. So if you're not white, I guess, for specific jobs, you're not going to get a call back. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't feel like I've been discriminated against, I guess, mm-hmm. because I'm black. But mm-hmm. saying that maybe I haven't really been paying attention. I, mm-hmm. I know what it's like being black in general. I know, especially being a black woman, there are some things that... Uh, I don't know, I will be probably more discriminated against, mm. but 
it hasn't really stopped me from being successful here, mm-hmm. which I have been. Yeah. All right. So what would you say have been mm. the struggles and joys Ooh. in being an expat? Okay. Uh, struggles, um, homesickness, um, maybe budgeting, mm-hmm. I want to say. So I know I said originally uh, money is great here. It is. Mm-hmm. As long as you plan accordingly. So... Uh, you can come here and go, oh my God, I've got all this money, I'm going to spend it. But if you're coming here to save, make sure you set up like an actual plan. It's so easy to just hemorrhage your money here, especially as there's uh, such a low cost of living. Uh, other struggles, language. We haven't spoken about this. No, Chinese isn't great. It's okay. So in my last city that I was in, I was doing Chinese lessons kind of because I had to no one spoke English mm-hmm. uh, whereas here in Shanghai uh, a few more people speak English um, and saying that there are more foreign places there are foreign restaurants and people will speak English to me whereas I only had that in one place in Zhengzhou Joys I'd say the independence mm-hmm. linked to money again I can do what I want whenever I want. Obviously, if I have to go to work, I'm going to go to work. I need to get paid. I don't want to be fired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Pre-COVID, anyway, I could... I mean, I can still travel around the country. Um, but yeah, pre-COVID, traveling outside of the country. Um, and I think just experiencing somewhere uh, new. So I remember when I went home uh, after my first stint in China and I like refused to eat like British Chinese food because I was like I've had real Chinese food I don't need this Mm -hmm. fake Chinese food um and also you change hopefully for the better um so uh once again I remember like coming back even though it was only like 10 months I was here the first time uh and just feeling like some things I don't know that some things were different and that I just I didn't want to do certain things anymore there were there's a I don't know here as an expert in Shanghai uh you're comfortable here and it's so convenient you want a pencil just one pencil at 1am you go on like a Chinese app you'll get your one pencil Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't really need it at 1am but you Mm. ordered it anyway (laughs) so that kind of convenience uh it's just it's second to none here yeah it's, mm-hmm. yeah so that's definitely one of the uh joys i'd say in relation to shanghai yeah yeah um so something that i've been really enjoying lately mm. is getting cut fruits delivered yes. so mm. cut up papaya cut up mm. kiwi cut up strawberry mm. mangoes mm. all kinds of fruit delivered and and oh God, that, that's like such a joy yeah. even though it probably seems so simple but it's such a joy like mm. in not cutting anything cut up banana <laughs> yeah you get the point but like yeah. all this cut up fruit yeah fruit salad in general yeah. um yeah and it's, it's like well i guess i could have ordered all of this separately and done it myself but yeah i don't need to <laughs> yeah because i can order it online and like sometimes i find like actually buying all of the stuff separately and cooking it yourself ends up being like more expensive like mm-hmm. for example if i wanted to i don't know make spaghetti bolognese so this mm-hmm. is me thinking about foreign food mm-hmm. uh i could order it cheaply enough i guess but if i wanted to make it myself mm-hmm. it ends up being a lot more expensive mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I guess it just it depends on you know what you want to spend your money on. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things you can spend your money on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So then, um, you know, you've been here for、mm. quite some time in China. So, what's your definition of home? And do you、mm. feel you've been able to create a sense of home、mm. here in China? And if、mm. not, what do you feel is lacking that、mm. you know you will need in the next place、okay. to have that that feeling of home? Yeah. Um. So when I came from、uh, Zhengzhou, so when I was in Zhengzhou, they paid for my rent. I was like in a in a really nice apartment. Actually, I miss it. Two bedrooms.、Mm-hmm. So nice. Um, that was nice. So they covered my rent. Making it home was weird. So、uh, I didn't really put anything up on the walls. I think、um, just adjusting over time, making myself comfortable. So.、Mm-hmm. Having my stuff around the place,、mm-hmm. uh, I'm quite a messy person in general, so I don't know. Having like some mess there, I don't know. Having some food cooked in the kitchen,、mm-hmm. uh, that's how I kind of made it home.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really the kind of person that needs like things on the walls、mm-hmm. or my own stuff around the place. If that makes、mm-hmm. sense.、Um, so yeah. For me, home is more about being comfortable、mm-hmm. uh, and、mm-hmm. feeling secure. Okay.、Um, so when I left Zhengzhou, I moved into the school dorms. That was really tough because、mm-hmm. you you can't really make it home.、Uh, it's just a room,、mm-hmm. and like I struggled a bit because the、um, In like the hallway of the dorm, there were like obviously cameras because obviously it's a dorm connected to the school, and、mm-hmm. I just didn't like how the cameras were connected to my school,、mm-hmm. uh, and that you didn't really have any privacy. So yes, you could close the door, but as soon as you walked out, because there were some kids that lived on campus as well, so I'd be、mm-hmm. walking out of the dorm area, and it would be like nine o'clock, and there would be like students saying hi, and I'd be like. Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't want to put my teacher persona or my teacher face on now. Can、mm-hmm. I have some privacy? Saying that, when I got my apartment that I'm still in now, it felt so odd.、Mm-hmm. Uh, like the first few days, so I was still I was halfway in the dorm. So half my stuff was in the dorm, half my stuff were in my new apartment. When I first moved into the apartment, I was like, "This is so big. I don't know what to do. All of this space."、Mm-hmm. Um, so when I like finally properly moved in, it felt really odd、uh, and like impersonal. Like it wasn't my place. Like one, it felt way too nice. I definitely would not be able to afford that kind of place back home.、Uh, two, it just felt really big for just one person.、Mm-hmm. But because this is my actual Shanghai is the actual place where. Actually, maybe the first place I paid actual rent in, yeah.、Mm. Um, so I put like a few pictures up、mm-hmm. that I had printed out because that's not something I really have to be、mm-hmm. honest anymore. Um, and I have two foster cats now, um, which made the place feel a lot more like home, and actually spending more time there. So when I Was splitting my time between the dorm and the apartment. It was a bit odd going from a luxurious apartment all the way to the dorm and then vice versa.、Mm-hmm. So, home, like I said, being secure, feeling comfortable, and now even more so, just having someone to come back to, even if it's my two cats.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least I have someone there to be like, oh, 
she's alive cool <laughs> yeah so that's it for home for me okay all right well we're gonna leave it there and uh thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed by me yes, today no worries and uh we're gonna say goodbye to the listeners of the are we homie podcast and i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and you know with each episode i hope that you're subscribing writing reviews tuning in telling other people about it as well so you know keep listening and let's keep talking and have a great day so tune into this next episode with Zio. Zio is a good friend of mine from Tajikistan, and he left home around 17 years old at the urging of his mom to go study abroad, see the world. And through his travels, through studies, he has learned so much about the world, but also really about himself. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.